you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The Iron Lady sings it. That makes it official because it wasn't an official until she did. For 15 years, we've been bringing the smartest people. We've been bringing you the Oz CEOs, the billionaires, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the government officials and congressmen, et cetera, et cetera. All the smart people in the world, even astronauts, too, because astronauts are pretty damn smart. Don't forget them. We bring you the smartest people in the world that bring you their knowledge, their experience, their cathartic life moments, things that they learned, and they bring them in this most concise format in what we call the Chris Voss Show Glow. A, time where you spend with us learning and having epiphanies on the show and everything else so pat yourself on the back for being a part of the elite smart crowd that listens to the chris foss show and just shares that chris foss show glow as always we ask you to refer the show to your family friends and relatives go to goodreads.com fortress chris foss linkedin.com fortress chris foss join the big linkedin newsletter it just Every day I go, how it grew again. Go to the big 130,000 LinkedIn group as well. Chris Voss TikTok, or uh, I'm sorry, YouTube, Chris Voss One at TikTok, and Chris Voss at Facebook.com as well. We have an amazing gentleman on the show. We're going to be talking about international stuff. There's going to be stuffage of the international type today. We have the Tony Redondo, who's the CEO of his company, Cosmos Currency Exchange. And we're going to be talking to him today about the financial services industry and his journey of establishing his company and building it as well. Tony Redondo has worked in the financial services industry for over 38 years and is a fully qualified associate of the Chartered Institute of Bankers. After holding senior management positions for years at various banks and brokerages, he founded Cosmos Currency Exchange in 2020. He offers clients a unique experience when they need to either make or receive currency payment in over 35 currencies to and from over 50 currencies around the globe. Rather than the transactional, reactive, self-service approach endemic in the financial industry, these days, Cosmos provides a bespoke, proactive, relationship-based service where each client is treated like the individual that they are. There you go. What customer service. At Cosmos, all business comes from referrals, and Tony thinks that speaks volumes. They won seven industry awards to date. He's married with a teenage daughter. Oh, boy, that's a challenge. And in his spare time, he's a keen amateur astronomer who loves listening to music. Welcome to the show. How are you, Tony? I'm very well, thank you. Thank there you go. Well, well, you're, you're quite brave there with a teenage daughter. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a tough time. My whole household. It's a tough time being a teenager and kids, yeah, you know, they're always finding their identity and figuring it out and you kind of have to give them a little bit of walls to bounce around in. So Tony, give us your dot coms. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Okay. So for the company, the website is www.cosmoscurrencyexchange.com. And you can also find the company and myself on LinkedIn. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of what you do there at the company in your words. So you'd think in this day and age, 21st century of all this high technology and AI and robotics and everything else, mm -hmm. it will be pretty simple 
for any client, be they a business, an individual or a charity, to move funds from one bank account to another bank account, mm. irrespective of whether the receiving bank is next door or across the globe. Mm. But it isn't. And um, there are lots and lots of pain points uh, in that journey. And after a 35-year career in the banking world, I can tell you that a lot of the uh, pain points are deliberate because the more pain points there are, the more charging opportunities for the provider. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quite simple, really. Interesting um, how that works. Yeah. Um, and, and really, a lot of it is not needed. A lot of it is because um, clients just can't. There is a lot of information out there. Mm -hmm. but not in a structured way and they you know i'm of an age where when i started my career in the city of london bank managers were still bank managers and yeah. they knew their clients on first name terms sure. and could shake hands and deal with situations there was no email there were no computers there was no credit committees and unfortunately most financial services and especially currency exchange has gone completely obsessed by technology so much so that my biggest competitors don't even have a telephone number on their website. Yeah, so, that's kind of become a thing, hasn't it? It's kind of yeah. interesting. But the client is completely, you're by yourself. And with my industry, that causes two problems. The first one is the currency exchange rates change every three seconds, night and day. Damn. So who has the time to sit there watching the markets? And with due respect, how many people have the experience to know what they're looking for? Yeah. The second point is, like in the US, your banking system works to a SWIFT number, a routing number, and an account number. Mm -hmm. But in the UK, it's totally different. We use sort code and account number. So if you're sending a payment abroad mm -hmm. and you're using a platform where there isn't even a telephone number to ask for help, you know, it, it's a bit dicey to start putting figures in and press yeah. buttons and the money goes. And Just wing 100 grand out there into the ether and hope it gets there. Now what happens yeah absolutely yeah. so the idea behind cosmos is very simple is we use the technology because it is available and what is available is very good but we use it on behalf of the client the client tells us we do a discovery call with every client mm -hmm. they tell us what they're looking at doing the time frame they're looking at doing it in their attitude to risk their availability of funds and then we put together a personalized payment solution that is personalized to them and manage oh. the whole thing from start to finish. That's pretty darn awesome. And you, you give that personalized service that, uh, you know, you can't hardly find anymore now Absolutely. on what you're doing. So give us a, a, tell us about your hero's journey. How did you grow up? How did you get interested in this sort of business? And then let's talk about your entrepreneur journey about what it was like to start a company for the first time for you. It was my timing, you know, 35 year business experience and associate at the Chartered Institute of Bankers. My timing was impeccably bad. <laughs> I launched the company six weeks before the first lockdown hit. In oh, man. Wow. So that was quite an interesting first six months. But like a lot of things in life, sometimes good things come out of bad. And as difficult as the start was, it, um, it gave us an opportunity to broaden the scope of the business mm -hmm. that we never would have had because what happened was the banking system pretty much collapsed. Oh, wow. Um, people, unless you're involved, you don't realize. A very simple example, a British or European exporter mm -hmm. sends an invoice 
to an American client. The American client is now going to pay that invoice by wiring US dollars to a dollar account in Europe or the UK. Even if that US client banks with one of the major US banks, they can't use online banking because in the US, online banking only works domestically. So <laughs> unbeknown to the exporter, the US importer every month gets the invoice, gets in the car, drives to the bank, fills out the form, pays the bank $50 for the monies to be wired across to Europe or the UK or wherever it has to go. Mm -hmm. Imagine during lockdown when all the banks were shut. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Yeah. So I started getting lots of phone calls from ex-clients of mine throughout my long years in the banking industry saying, I know we're not clients of yours, but we're not getting paid by our clients. And I said, no, you're not. You won't be because they can't. <laughs> you can forget all your Canadian clients. You can forget all your U.S. clients. You can forget all your Australian clients. The banks are shut. There's nothing wow. that can do. The only solution is to find somebody who can give you access to a dollar account inside the United States. And mm -hmm. that has proved very difficult to do since 2012 when the Patriot Act was passed by Congress. But yeah. we found a solution. So mm -hmm. now we can get rid of lots of pain points in, in one go because now that British or European company doesn't have to have their own dollar account, which costs money with a local bank. Mm -hmm. They just register with Cosmos. The invoice goes out with our dollar bank account details, which happens to be based in New York. Oh, wow. So the clients in the States can just do an online transfer free of charge to New York. We mm -hmm. collect the funds, ship them back to the UK and convert them back to sterling or Swiss francs or euros or whatever the client wants us to do. So it suggests a much more practical solution that makes life as easy as possible for the exporter to win the business overseas and keep it. And you found a way to, to get over it. This is the beauty of being an entrepreneur, finding yeah. people's pain points. Sometimes it starts from their own, but finding people's pain points and helping them solve them. And you've done it on a personal level, which is just awesome because, you know, we've moved to such an automated level. Like you say, I, I find it highly suspect and frustrating when I, when I can't find a phone number on a website, which is <laughs> intentional. You know, it's like we don't really yeah. want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, well, I message received here. The, and you, you would think they would at least have a backup emergency number. And sometimes you can find it if you dig hard enough through the website. Yeah. But, but, you know, even then, you know, you, you get on the phone with them and it's got 50,000 prompts and, and different uh, forks <laughs> and splits that you got to go through, you know, before you finally get to, you know, sometimes they don't even, there's, there's a couple companies I know that have like a secret. They never tell you that you can hit zero, and if you hit zero, that will take you to an operator. But they never put that in the prompt. No. <laughs> and you're just like, you little fuckers, let's see what's going on. Yeah. But uh, this is a big deal. I know the Patriot Act was kind of a real pain in the butt when it first came out mm -hmm. because, I mean, at first, there was something about how you couldn't transfer over $100,000, and, like, there was a bunch of payroll companies that got fucked up the first weekend it yeah. came out where I can't remember if all their checks bounced or, yeah, I think that's what it was, all the checks bounced at, at some of the local big companies I knew because they they transferred over $100,000 into, I think it was like $300,000 on one company's account. They, they did the transfer the bank, it got held up, and then, of course, they'd written checks to all the employees on it. And, you know, they were, they were sending money to their payroll account. 
and yeah, it got all mocked up. It was a huge nightmare for a while there. So who are your main clients? Who are her people that use your company and, and stuff? So 40% of our clients are, are business clients mm -hmm. uh, who are either importing or exporting. That's the traditional corporate base for, for mm -hmm. a business like ours. In the last couple of years, what we've seen is a huge increase is businesses employing overseas freelancers. Mm you know, digital nomads, as they're sometimes called, and having to make payments here, there and everywhere, or receive payments because everybody's online, there's a lot of online networking there goes on. Yeah. So it's never been easier to find international clients. The difficulty is in making life as simple as possible for that client, because as I went online in 2020, um, as everybody else did with the lockdown, I started getting told over and over again by clients that, yes, you know, clients overseas love our products, but it's such a pain to get the funds out of the US or out of Canada or out of Australia to a UK account that even though our product is superior and a cheaper price, they'll end up going with a local supplier because they can just write a check. Wow. And it's so much easier to pay. So that get my little brain thinking as to, hold on a second, you know, there is an opportunity here because if you know which way the banking system works, you can uh, find a solution usually. And uh, so we did. That's great, man. This is the beauty of being an entrepreneur, finding solutions, solving problems, trying to figure out how to make things work and then how to make things unique, uh, you know, resolving pain points and making money off of it. You know, a lot of our, our people who want to be entrepreneurs you know, you should list this sort of stuff because this is what you do. You, you find a pain point. Sometimes it's your own. Sometimes you have a product or service or something that you're just like, this sucks. I could make this way better. You know, we had somebody on the show recently who was a novelist and, and a very successful novelist. And they used to read a lot of novels and they just were like, hey, this is not, I could wait, make way better novels. This, this could be better. That could be better. So they started making novels. And, and off they went. So, so was it, were you, were you worried a little bit during the 2020 thing or did you, did you just have a sink or swim sort of attitude and you just, you're just like, well, we'll um, figure it out. I guess, I mean, on a personal level, the honest answer is, you know, the only thing I've ever learned over and over again in my life is that if you don't try, you're guaranteed to fail. So you better mm. give it a go. There's no mm. point dipping your toe in the water, jump in, make the best of it. <clears throat> but in all honesty, you know, I, I had a successful 35-year career. I turned my back on that. I launched Cosmos. I have, you know, a mortgage to pay, a teenage daughter. Who, you know, teenage daughters are pretty expensive. And Buy all the clothes. And to make matters worse, 90, we lost 90% of our sales pipeline in the first six weeks. Oh, my God. Because... My last two jobs in the industry were working for brokerages that specialized in international property deals. And with the continuous lockdowns, all them went up in smoke. Mm -hmm. But to sort of really underline what you were saying, you know, earlier, we survived because we helped clients survive. We there found solutions for our clients. For, uh, the, the example I've used is the American. The other thing that came to our rescue was Brexit, where a British client selling a property in mainland Europe, say Spain, mm -hmm. before Brexit to get the Euro sales proceeds back to the UK would cost a flat fee of about 20 euros. After Brexit, the Spanish banks started charging up to 1.5% of the oh, wow. value of the transfer. 
So if you sell a villa in Spain for 300,000 euros, you're looking at a transfer fee of four and a half thousand euros just for the transfer. That's before the conversion costs. Holy crap. Yeah. And, and it was done like that. You know, the Brexit was done on the 31st of January. From the 1st of February, I started getting phone calls. Wow. And, uh, and again, we found a solution. And the solution, again, was to go local. So we've now got uh, a euro account, even though we're a British business. Mm -hmm. We've got a euro account in Dublin in Ireland. We've got a euro account in Frankfurt in Germany. Both are still inside the single market. So a transfer between Spain and Ireland or Spain and Germany is seen as a domestic transfer where all of a sudden they can only charge a flat fee, not a percentage fee. So it wow. saves the clients a bundle of money. The other thing we bring to the party is that, again, unlike the platforms, platforms are fully automated. Mm -hmm. So if the euros or the dollars arrive today, they'll get converted today, mm. irrespective of whether the market's in favor or not. We don't do anything fully automated. We have a manual override on everything. Oh, really? So, for example, today, the pound is at a 12-week high against the dollar, a mm -hmm. three-week high against the euro. So it's not a good time to sell dollars, not a good time to sell euros. So any euros and dollars we've received today, all that happens is we receive them, we store them safely in a protected client's account for the client's protection of funds, and then we advise the client that, in our opinion, the rates are not great. If they need wow. it straight away, we will do it straight away. If they can afford to wait, we think the rate is going to get better or whatever the circumstances are. We're not clairvoyant, but we will try and use our experience for the client's benefit. That's pretty cool. So you can basically, you know, game the system that you can figure out the best way to do that. Uh, do you work with cryptocurrencies and how, if, if so, how? Yeah, we don't. No, we're not, no. we're not regulated. <laughs> and... Uh, we're not regulated, and I don't think we will ever be, not in their current format. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no exchange rates there, but it, I know it's one way people have been using to uh, do stuff yes. over, you know, the the internet and make 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 exchanges do what they want to do. Yes. What about, how is Cosmos different in comparison to, like, banks, online brokers, and payment apps? I know, you know, I've used, I transfer money with uh, PayPal and stuff, but yeah. I, I'm not transferring, you know hundreds of thousands tens of thousands of dollars through it just millions 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 <laughs> so so how, how, how are you guys in comparison to using that because i know some people pay their employees through like paypal and other online that's uh, right uh that, that they have you know like i'll we'll have tech people on the show that you know they they have a startup and they have they have different programmers all over the world how do you do that yeah or what, what yeah. what's your comparison to that the comparison is that it's one of the reasons why we're based down in Cornwall. It's not only a very nice part of the world to live in, but it gives us a, a meaningful competitive advantage because we don't have London overheads. So we don't have to take London margins to cover our costs. Mm. It's a lot cheaper to run a business down in Cornwall than, than it is in, in, in London. So the biggest USBs for, for Cosmos are that personal service, the relationship-based service, the local bank accounts, and the fact that we're proactive. So very few clients will phone us up and say, I've got X to do, do it straight away. Most people know how we work and, know, and what they'll do instead is say, in the next, whatever their time frame is, I need to do this. And then we will be their eyes and ears in the market 
Mm -hmm. And within their time frame, when an opportunity arises, we'll be in touch with the client to say, this has happened in the market. For example, buying dollars from sterling today is at a 12-week high. Mm -hmm. But Friday is a new month, and we've got a non-farm payroll data out of the US, which is the key unemployment data. Mm -hmm. That will give a big steer to the markets as to what the Federal Reserve are going to do in terms of US interest rates. If it goes the wrong way, you know, the, the dollar could re-strengthen and the pound come off. So we'll give clients, you know, a little bit of guidance uh, and our opinion on what the markets are going to do so that anybody buying currency minimizes their costs. Anybody selling currency can maximize their return from that sale. There you go. And I, you can always talk to a human being. Those are always important. Uh, yeah, a mad human being, but a human being. Now, do you work with something called FTX? No, okay. Didn't. There was a question that you had sent me. Considering FTX, are the clients' funds safe when they deal with Cosmos? Oh, okay. The F, yeah, sorry. I was taking a, a different way because there's a company called that that we're not oh. associated with. Yeah, no, all, all, we're fully regulated. We're fully mm -hmm. authorized by the UK regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority. Okay. Um, it's even better. So, for example, in the United States, your bank account is guaranteed by the US government for up to $100,000. <laughs> yeah. If believe it or not, <laughs> yeah, I mean, UK, uh, but I mean, so you know, if you got more than a hundred thousand, you're kind of screwed. So <laughs> in the UK, that figures eighty five thousand uh pounds. -huh. But we're not a bank. We're not governed by the uh, Bank of England. We're governed by the Financial Conduct Authority. So every penny, we don't have an upper limit. So you can have millions with us. If Cosmos goes wrong and we go bust, your funds are safe because client funds never touch our office account. They're always oh. held in protected clients' accounts. There you go. There you go. There you go. Try trust fund basic accounts. I don't know. Exactly. Here. Yeah, like an escrow account. Escrow account. There you go. There you go. So you guys work with personal people and businesses and charities. I didn't think about it, but I guess charities do take international money and, and pass it around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's a growing part of our business. A typical example, I met a lady through networking based in Vancouver in Canada. Mm -hmm. who's on the board of a Canadian charity that runs free schools in West Africa. <laughs> and on the face of it, it's a very simple transaction. Canadian client, registered mm -hmm. in Canada, charity, moving Canadian dollars to US dollars once a month. It's plain vanilla, except the dollars are going to three West African countries, which means the Canadian banks won't touch it. Wow. She's then having to use the likes of Western Union or PayPal, who will charge 9, 10, 12% margins. Wow. That's Where pretty expensive. All we can do, for us, as long every step of the transaction has to be compliance. You know, yeah. met. So if the charity, is there something wrong with the charity, we won't onboard them. If there's something wrong with the beneficiaries, we won't send the funds. So everything is checked out. So as long as it checks out, we will do the transaction on a 1% margin instead of 10% margin. So for the same amount of Canadian dollars, the free schools are getting extra income every month. That is, I mean, that's, you're saving, you know, nine, eight, nine points on your money. God, that's a huge thing. Wow. What a, what a crazy world. Right? Yeah. There's yeah. very little competition in, in a lot of parts of the world where the banks are still very dominant in you know, the US market, Canadian market, Australian market. There's four or five banks that have 90% market share. So there's wow. very little competition. Whereas in the UK, 
there's 655 banks in the square mile of the city of London, but mm-hmm. the, all the all those banks have less than a 50% market share. Wow. So the UK is very competitive, which is good for clients. So you started your business, you, you saw a space in the market between everything that was going on. You saw a pain point, you, you saw there wasn't personal service. Uh, what, what has it been like? This is your first company, I believe you started in yes. 2020, right? Ever? Yeah. What, what's it been like for your journey as an entrepreneur to learn to be an entrepreneur, to master your business and, and navigate? You know, you definitely started with the worst of times. So congratulations Absolutely. on surviving. <laughs> Thank you. It's been fantastic. And the reason it's been fantastic is the only thing that's really changed is that I believe there was a gap in the market in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. We've never spent a penny on pay-per-click marketing campaigns. We don't market. We don't advertise. All our business comes from referrals. So now I know there is a gap in the market. And what's really helped me? Online networking is a great online free of charge university because Ah. you meet so many people from so many different walks of life that it's, unless you have your ears blocked, it's impossible not to learn from every networking event that you go to. So networking is one of the ways that you help survive, learn, and and kind of educate yourself about your business? Absolutely. I read a lot. I'm a complete bookworm. I read a lot. I listen to podcasts, but mainly it's online networking because particularly nowadays with everybody on Zoom and Microsoft Teams and what have you, you just, you know, I remember the days when networking when I'll travel an hour and you know to have a local group and you'd be the same dozen people every single week or every single month or whatever the case yeah pass out cards jump online and you you never know people could be anywhere and And you can find you can find what you're looking for in the data you're looking for because it's much easier to hunt it down i remember doing that same thing i would go down to the I think it was the Better Business Bureau or something, and uh, you go down there and and they'd have like a monthly or weekly like breakfast meeting. You pass out cards yeah. and you know, it, and no one had any business because it was all desperate. It was all desperate, brand new. You know, <laughs> well, I just started my company last week, so did I. And you're just like, do you have any referrals? And you, you want to do some business? And they're like, oh, we need money like you do. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm like, I don't know about this group. But yeah, it, it was uh, it was one of those challenges. But yeah, now online, like I think about when I started my brick and mortar companies so many years ago, you know, there wasn't any resources, man. We had to make it up as we went along about the only advice you could get. And fortunately, I spent a lot of time training. So I'd, I'd skip college and I'd but I knew I needed education. So I read every business book I could get my hands on. I knew I needed what I called CEO training. And so I started ordering uh, Harvard Business Review uh, magazine and Harvard Business Review. They had a quarterly back then. I think they still do. And, and, the, and then I would order courses from Harvard Business Review. And I would just order stuff that I wanted to learn about. And, and my main thinking process was I'm going to prepare to be the CEO of a big company someday. And preparing for that was all the importance. But back in my day, the only, the only way to really... Like if you were a small entrepreneur, you know, you go, you go to your fellow business guys and you're like, Hey, can you help me? And they're like, I'm busy. And they're like, how do you get, how do you get, you know, business advice? And like you hire an attorney who tells you your business advice. And I was like, well, I can't afford that when you're starting doing a startup. And so brick and mortar days before the internet, 
it was it was hard. You know, nowadays people don't even realize how easy it is to start a company and 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 really become an entrepreneur. How easy it is to to get advice. You can build a virtual board of directors much easier. You know, back in the day, I used to have to go around and you know contact some of the people I knew who were entrepreneurs and say, "Hey, do you want to start a virtual board? Do you want to?" give each other advice and sometimes they're like i'm too busy swimming sometimes they're like yeah okay and they really didn't get the concept but now you can find like mentors and of course coaches online there's just an endless supply of of people fractional fractional directors are a big yeah the the fractional stuff is really weird we've had a few fractional cfos and coos on and stuff which is kind of interesting you know it's 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 a wild business, you know, where you can yeah. tap into amazing knowledge. How big is your team there, if you don't mind me asking? And and what's it like? Uh, you know, what have you developed with leadership skills on on whether you're leading your team or leading customers, et cetera, et cetera? In terms of the team, I've always uh, enjoyed um, a collaborative approach. I was lucky in the I had quite a long apprenticeship. You know, I look at mm-hmm. I look back and think, wow, I had a thirty five year apprenticeship. You know, so it was pretty, <laughs> mm. it was good. You know, broking tends to be a pretty stressy, high pressure, high tempo kind of business. It tends to be quite a young person's business. Mm. So certainly, you know, my towards the latter part of my career, my last couple of jobs, I was by far the oldest broker on the trading floor. Oh, wow. By far. And, and the, you know, and one of the few ones, if not the only one with sort of, you know, City of London experience. So I ended up doing a lot of, you know, unofficial training. And, and that was good because, you know, me and IT are not, are not best friends. Uh, I know what I wanted to do, but it doesn't talk my language. And, but, but it's second nature to these youngsters, isn't it? So I'll come up with the ideas and they would come up with the IT and then we would share the spoils. So oh. I, I like the collaborative approach, you know, we have a team, we have a hard core team of five people mm-hmm. and then everything else is done on a collaborative basis where there is no upper limit to anybody's earning potential and everybody mm-hmm. works for themselves, which means I don't have to manage anybody. You know, people understand how the money is made. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to put a time in, when they want to put a time in, they put it in. And until then, it's totally up to them. What they get in, you know, what they get out is a result of, of what, you know, they put in. It's pretty common sense. But I really enjoyed that because, you know, these very vertical, stru- I spent 35 years in a very vertical structures of, you know, the corporate banking world and what have you. Everybody's, you know, fighting for that corner office because it's got two windows instead of one, all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm very, very happy to have left that world behind. There you go. And you've built your own company and and what's the future for what you see yourself doing or what the industry might be doing that are some interesting upcoming changes? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of changes. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of currency brokers out there. Hmm. And one of the things that I think now looks very similar to when I started my career a long time ago in 1985 at the age of 19 when when i started there were four big british banks mm-hmm. and then the second thatcher government liberalized financial services and all the foreign banks came in and then all of a sudden there was an immense amount of competition and then what happened was the big banks got very big too big to fail <laughs> the small guys survived by being small and nimble mm-hmm. and the middle just got squeezed 
Wow. And that's exactly what's happening in the currency broking world now. There's there's a half a dozen very big players who are all technology based, no human beings. The business model is very simple. You pay for the technology once, you open, and then it's money coming in. They don't want to employ human beings because they want to get paid every month, not just the once. Wow. The technology. And us small players, as long as you know what you're doing, as long as you can make a difference, you mm -hmm. can survive, partly because you make a difference, partly because you've got much lower overheads, but it's those middle players who are getting seriously squeezed at the moment. And there that's a little bit worse. Well, just you, you hang in there, you fight it up and, uh, and get it going on. Give people your final pitch out to do business with you, how they can onboard with you, your .com and all that good stuff. Yeah, so the, the easiest way is to connect, you know, reach out to us by whichever method is, is easiest for you. You know, we're at our website, you can, you, you can message us via the website, there's a contact us page, there's even a WhatsApp link on there. So you can just send me a WhatsApp message. I spend half my life either on the phone or on WhatsApp these days and uh, or, or, or via the LinkedIn pages. And we will respond the same day because at the end of the day, it, it's, it's what we're here to do. If we can't do that, then uh, there's very little point in us being around. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Tony. It's been fun to have you on and insightful, man. Learned a lot about transferring money around the world. Now I just need to get some money to transfer. <laughs> there you go so thank you very much for coming on thanks for us for tuning in go to goodreads.com for says chris foss linkedin.com for says chris foss chris foss one on the tiktok and let's see uh, i think that was about it chris foss facebook.com thanks for tuning in everyone be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time